Welcome to another episode of Live from Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by the usual suspects, Becky and Dave, and we are reacting to the Rangers, clinching a playoff spot, a real playoff spot for the first time in five seasons, and we will be spending the rest of the month of April gearing up for New York Rangers playoff hockey, uh, and that probably is the most exciting uh other than I think the Rangers winning the draft lottery a few years ago, this is probably the most exciting uh, or excited we've been uh, recording one of these podcasts. So, uh, Becky, Dave, how are you guys doing here as we officially are getting ready for playoff hockey? Well, that was a super fun game to be at, the clincher. Um, just feeling pretty good about that. Feeling pretty good about the state of the New York Rangers right now. Yeah, I am good. I was actually considering doing the – as. Uh, Luker pointed out the patented Dave Shapiro sigh, but I decided against it because this is such a happy topic. It's, it, I, I can't remember the last time we've been this excited for something. I, you know what? I'll go with right before COVID and that team making that ridiculous run. Shesterkin just called up. Um, we didn't want to fire D'Angelo into the sun immediately. Uh, just... I've, yes, and no, we kind of did, but we were like, you know what? Eh, just shut up and play hockey, and we, we'll be fine. And he didn't do that, but uh, we digress. I think that was the last time we were truly excited about the Rangers because they were not sneaking into a playoff spot; they were making their presence known. And then the last two years happened. Mm, that was fun. Yeah, but now that it ends on a high. Right around. What was that? And now it ends on a high note. Well, yeah. Well, I was going to say, that was right around when we actually started doing this podcast kind of in its current form. And, yeah, there was a lot going on. And that was, you know, there, there was also, in typical Rangers fashion from the last couple of years, there was a lot of drama surrounding the team off the ice, whether it was the Chris Kreider, are they going to trade him? Are they going to extend him? How does that look in hindsight, by the way? Um, there was the Igor Shesterkin, Pavel Buchnevich car accident. I think we were reminiscing about some of these moments on Saturday, Becky, and um, you know, you mentioned it. We were at the game. Uh, just tell us about the vibe in Madison Square Garden on Saturday, as the Rangers, uh, you know, dominated the Ottawa Senators five to one and clinched the playoff spot. The vibes were immaculate. Um, also, very exciting. Me, well, not really a friend, but Pete Alonso hit a grand slam. And I said that out loud and the person in front of me was like, oh, my God, really? And so it was very exciting for me personally to see another Met fan at MSG on such a joyous night because I feel like there's that like patented like Rangers, Yankees, Giants, Mets, Jets, Islanders, like whatever. It's on the same order. Um, if you heard that, that's Sophie just joining the podcast. Um, and so that was really fun. You know, they were playing an opponent that's worse than them. And like many teams do, sometimes they struggle with that. And they, instead of playing their opponents like they would play any other opponent, they play down a little bit. But they stepped on the gas and did not give up. Like you could tell, I mean, the shots were like something insane. It was like 17 to 3 in the first period, something like really ridiculous. You could just tell that whoever had the chat before the game the team was like fully aligned they were like we're doing it we're going like we're stepping on throats and we're not giving up and 
good for them because you need to have that mentality. You don't want to back into the playoffs. Like, those old teams that used to back into the playoffs be so stressed out, like, so stressed out going into them. It's just, like, it's not the way to be. So vibes off the charts. Yeah, and and I think, you know, the players all mentioned also that the crowd helped sort of, you know, solidify the moment, right? Everybody in the building was, you know, obviously well aware that, the Rangers were on a mission to clinch a playoff spot. It was loud from the drop of the puck. Uh, even after the Rangers gave up the early goal, kind of a gut punch out of nowhere type of goal by Ottawa, there was no sense of panic. There was no uh, negative energy coming from the crowd. It was everybody just keep pushing forward because you know if you kind of play the way you're supposed to, you'll win the game. And I think that's you know the point you know Becky just so eloquently made. Just that. Ability to recognize the moment, step on the gas, not take the opponent for granted. That's the sign of a mature team. And that's the sign of a team that I think, frankly, believes it can do some things now in the spring. Um, Dave, that's where I want to turn it over to you. So we've been talking about this a lot, but since the trade deadline, the Rangers have been a completely different team. I know we've offered different opinions at different points in time during the season about how far we think they can go, what their ceiling is. But where are you? Where do you stand on that question now, given what we've seen since the trade deadline? Oh man, I—it's a completely different answer, and I can't believe we're saying this because this was what two weeks ago we were talking about how you know we don't think they match up well against Carolina, and now I think Robin was you that said in the group chat that how can you really? Be scared of a team that has what was their top pair? What was it, Slavin D'Angelo? And yes, D'Ang- yeah, Tony D'Angelo is their top pair. Yeah. yeah, and listen, D'Angelo, we know what he's good at. He's a good offensive defenseman. He's one of the best puck movers in the game. He is not good defensively, and the Rangers will eat him alive with the amount of skill they have if they match that pairing up with the Panarin or the Zibanejad line. I'm guessing they're probably not going to do that. I think the Rangers can take down Carolina. I think Shesterkin is the difference in that series. Obviously, playoff hockey is 87, 88% luck. But I think the Rangers can take down Carolina. I am not scared of Florida, which is weird. I don't know. Just something about Florida doesn't strike fear in me, and I'm probably going to eat my words at some point. The <laughs> Tampa doesn't scare me. Toronto does. That's weird. Mm. Yes, yeah, I was going to say, Becky, I know you're going to have a retort to that. Toronto doesn't scare me. Toronto only because, like, I feel like they just can't lose every year in the first round. Like, there's there's one year where they have to do it. If the Red Sox can finally win, then the Leafs have to finally win at some point, right? I mean, yeah, okay, sure. And, like, I could finally win Lotto one of these days, too, and stop working, but, like, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. I'm just saying I don't think that they have it. Like, I just don't think they're – I say this all the time, like all the time, but it's like – and I'm not even going to say I'm sorry because I'm not. It's like the the 04 Yankees. Like, it was just a bunch of fucking idiots put together on a team. They were all good. It's not like they were a bad team, like if you look at the talent, but I just don't see it. It's not like a a melded, like – cohesive team they always blow it 
I don't know. Maybe I'll eat my words. I don't know. But I've never been. I'm not going to be afraid of Toronto until they give me a reason to be afraid of them, if that makes well, sense. Well, yeah, their goaltending maybe people say that about is, the Rangers. is suspect. So, yeah, you're right there. It's Yeah, it's suspect is a nice way to put it. But remember when Jack Campbell was going to be the Vesna winner this year and all the Toronto fans are like, Meh, how can Igor be? It has to be Campbell. Soup. And you're just like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, what are you Oh, uh, yeah, Toronto fans are, are just uh, a miserable group of people. It shows you how long the season is, too. You know, everybody got, gets really into and high off of, you know, hot streaks, hot runs of play. And sometimes they last more than five games. With Campbell, it was what? It was a good 20, 25 games. Yeah, it was kind of him and Shesterkin at the top of the league in terms of in terms of save percentage, in terms of some of the other goalie metrics that you look at. But, you know, it's there's a reason Jack Campbell's been on multiple teams and, uh, you know, was, was kind of like a nobody when Toronto acquired him a couple of years ago. And Igor Shesterkin's a pedigreed goalie that had incredible success in the second best league in the world. And as you mentioned, Dave, a couple of years ago, seamlessly transitioned into the NHL and, and pretty much dominated from the start. I think we know who the more talented player is. Now, Igor has had some struggles, which is normal. He's a professional athlete. Nobody's perfect. They all go through rough patches. And it looks like he's putting his game back together. And that's, to me, the thing that makes the Rangers probably and look we're all ranger fans here so this is and it's a very biased show i don't think any of us are afraid to admit that but that's for me what makes them the most dangerous team in the playoffs so out of all the 16 that could make it the fact that they've turned around their play and can now dominate stretches of play at five on five the power play still there of course but they have the goalie they have the goalie who can steal a series even if the team isn't firing on all cylinders and obviously they had that with Henrik Lundqvist, but they didn't have this type of dynamic frontline talent in those years when they were, you know, chasing a cup in the, you know, late aughts, early, you know, 2010s. So, look, it's going to be a really uh, fun spring. I think that that's was the the that was the vibe too that that Becky was describing. Everybody was having such a good time at the game, and then it was kind of a celebratory. Not like they'd won a championship or won a playoff round even, but it was a celebratory mood among the team, among the fans. And everybody started thinking about the playoffs. And I mean, even, you know, I watched uh, the clip of Henrik Lundqvist and Steve Valaket. I mean, the excitement in Henrik Lundqvist's voice, he sounded like a kid on Christmas. He, he was like, oh, my God, this is so I can't I wish I was there, he said at one point. So, look, it, I think we have, you know, every right as Ranger fans to be optimistic and to like this team's chances to. Uh, to to win multiple rounds and and who knows maybe go all the way so um, a great a great time on on Saturday and I think this you know these two games um, against Carolina th- that still remain this season I think they play them we're recording this before the Carolina game but they play them on on Tuesday on April twelfth and I think they play them exactly two weeks later both games at Madison Square Garden I think the Rangers will be up for those games look. Sometimes the games after you clinch a playoff spot are really not great. The team kind of, you know, takes a little bit of a break. But I think playing Caroline is the perfect medicine for the Rangers to kind of keep their heads into this season because there's still, you know, nine games to go at the time we recorded this. So, um, and it's Becky, did you have any other test. thoughts? Oh. It's a great litmus test, oh, yeah. too, to see because, yeah, we've seen them beat Pittsburgh a bunch since the trade deadline. But Carolina is the cream of the crop right now in the East, at least. And one thing that I know we kind of touch on, but we haven't really seen yet, is we've seen the Rangers with elite and historic level goaltendings and playing like shit. And now we're getting them playing finally the way we hope they would, a top five team in terms of just underlying numbers and actually getting the goals to go with it. 
and the goaltending's been shit. They haven't had both yet. Exactly. The goaltending wasn't shit the other night. I uh, well, yeah, it. yeah, before the no, and game, against but it was shit before then for a while. Yes, fair. Yeah, and, and but that and that's exactly it, right? I mean, you hope that, and it's like any other sport, right? You watch a football team, and it's like, man, our our offense is terrible, but we have this great defense. What if we could put it all together? It's 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 same with baseball. We have the pitching, we don't have the offense. Usually, the championship team is the one team that can put it all together, right? And and also get some luck along the way. So, no, Becky, I was going to ask you if you had any other any other thoughts or any uh, any you know items you'd like to share just on. You know, look, it's been five years since the Rangers were in the playoffs. I think we're all on the same page here that we don't count the 2020 COVID qualifying round where the Rangers got their asses handed to them by Carolina. Um, but five years is a long time to wait, and it kind of makes you reflect on 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 what the team is, has gone through to get, th- get to this point, right? I mean, who was it? Someone tweeted, like, like what if Dolan was right all along or something like that? Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, that was fit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't listen. I started watching the team in 2008, so I'm a v- still a very recent fan, especially considering I'm not like you know 20 years old or whatever. So I was spoiled. I saw a lot of teams at least make it to the playoffs, and it was a huge disappointment if they were out in the first round most of those years, right? Yep. So I know I'm spoiled. I know that. Five years, though, is objectively a long time. Like, it's, like, to not make a playoffs. I'm not saying to, like, not go far or to not, like, win the World the World Series. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and we were talking baseball. I was just like, hmm, interesting. Um, but, like, it's a long – it's a while, and you miss it. You really miss it. Um, I just can't wait for the atmosphere – I, even if, you know, like it's different, even if you don't even go to a game, there's just that atmosphere of like you get to like watch and there's it's ceremonious. Like even if like you are out in the first round, which obviously nobody wants that, there's just something about it. And also the intensity that comes along with like hating a fucking team for up to seven games. I mean, it's so fun. It's so much fun. Imagine the slander hours. Just think about that. <laughs> oh god, the slander, the slander hours. They're they would best. be lovely. I wonder uh, it, I wonder if he's going to do that for each game or for the series cuz we're going to be creative if it's each game cuz we got to come up with four per team. You got to wait for the you got to wait for the series cuz yeah. you don't want to you don't want to poke the bear at least in my superstitious mind. Um <clears throat> Becky, I'm glad you brought up that <clears throat> excuse me tweet from Fitz. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners might follow him on Twitter at Fitz GSN. Um, you know, he'll, we'll kind of chat once in a while. I found it very entertaining and I thought it was a good discussion piece. Um, he tweeted, what if James Dolan was right all along about obviously the, the moves he made just about a year ago, firing Gorton and Davidson, all the, you know, all the stuff the Rangers then went out and did with Chris Jury at the helm. Um, where do you stand on that, Dave? I'd love to hear your opinion. I love how you went to me first because you know how vocal I am against Drury. Um, but even more so on the Dolan end because Drury is whatever, right? He's just yeah. the guy that was there. And I think, you know, but, but even, even you know, James Dolan, I think, was was upset that it was taking so long. I think to Becky's point, he didn't want to wait five years between playoff berths. And obviously the the losses to the Caps and Islanders didn't, didn't help. Obviously his uh, 
mercurial uh, decision-making style. Um, but but uh, more on the Dolan end, more on the like, okay. you know, the owner of the team stepping in and, and, and making that type of change. Did he actually make the right move? I mean, I, you know, it's a little bit of a, it's definitely a loaded question. That's kind of the point. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut. That makes no sense, Dave. I love you, but that... that You've never heard that answer. phrase before? It's like a stopwatch is, is right twice a day kind of a thing? Yeah, but it's not It's not like a... Like, this was like a pretty large decision. Yeah, and he's never like, done this with the Rangers before either. Yeah, yeah but it's I, not like he does it with the Knicks every every two years and, like, then the Knicks, like, make it to the playoffs or something and you're like, oh, yeah, like, he did it, finally. Like, he usually is pretty hands-off with the Rangers. I, I, I Listen, we can't complain about or i can't complain about dolan because he is willingly spending up to the cap every year or you know -hmm. know what i mean he's he will spend up to the cap every year he will spare no expense on this team and there are very few owners in the league that actually do that it's his toy he doesn't need the money he just sold cable vision for you know the price of every island in the caribbean or something like that and he just doesn't need the money so he's having fun you can't ask for an a better owner than that just off that alone. I don't think what he did was right. I think it was an overreaction or him finally finding the reason he needed to fire Gordon and go above JD's head. And JD was only fired because he refused to fire Gordon. And I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm still... I liked what Gordon was doing. How much did that plan change with Drury? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer. That was a lot of words. I had no fucking idea. That was was words. There's a lot of unknowns there. Yeah, but Becky, where are you on on this? I mean, I love a a little bit of drama. (laughs) I love a little bit of a shit show, so... And I also just, like, will never forget being in aisle, like, 12 or whatever of ShopRite when it happened and literally, like, stopping short and being like, what happened when everyone was fired? I don't know. I do know that I think we probably all owe Drury a little bit of an apology because what he's done at the deadline's doing well, you know? And you have to wonder if, and I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about this too much because honestly I almost quit Twitter because of this goddamn person. But like, you have to wonder if Eichel, the deal for Eichel was really like done and then something happened that it wasn't done. And so that was what they were expecting, especially when they traded Buchnevich and blah, 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 and Mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. So whatever. All I'm saying is that I think that Drury made some really intelligent, just not even flashy but just smart moves at the deadline and I think that as bitchy as we all can be about the fact that like oh he's like the president and GM and he loves like American players and he's you know whatever he did good and so we'll see I'm sure he'll wear out his welcome at some point like everyone always does but except for Chris Kreider um but I just I think that there is some merit to the fact that like he made this big change and the Rangers are doing well. He made this big change and then Jared Glant was, you know, hired. 
and Quinn was out. Like, should we be sad that Quinn was out? Oh, God, God, no. (laughs) No, but, like, but that's the thing. I mean, like, we all love JD because he's JD. But, like, what was he doing that was so valuable for the team? And you could tell me what he was doing because, candidly, like, I'm not thinking hard about it. But, like, I don't know. I just think that that a lot of people, and, like, myself included, have – attachments to certain ideas of people and ideas and memories of like what uh like people on sports teams not only players but the front office and and all the you know just the collective we have ideas of what they are and that's it and we stop short and we will not see any faults in those or or we won't see any good in those people so i just think probably we need to not take it so personally Yeah, what I would say also about this is we kind of joked earlier and and you just said, Becky, like I love a little bit of drama. But as I said, the Rangers for most of the last three seasons before this one were it was way too much drama off the ice. There was way too much, you know, stuff going on. And it seemed that it seems to me that the second that James Dolan came in and fired everybody, he ironically was like, yes, this is the probably the most dramatic thing I can do. But it's going to end the drama because the Rangers this year, pretty much since Drury has stepped in, there has been absolutely no issue as it relates to off the ice stuff, any sort of character issues, any sort of leaks, as we know, um, all of all of those things. He's basically run a, a, a much tighter ship, whereas I think J.D. and even Gorton over the years, you know, you develop relationships with the media, certain things, you know, get out in the press. Um, J.D.'s kind of a gregarious, outgoing guy. I think that's pretty much the opposite of Chris Drury. Um, so the drama kind of ended and I think maybe Dolan just said, listen, cut the bullshit, get down to business. As Dave said, I I open the wallet when you need me to open the wallet. We're going to sign guys to big contracts that we value Panarin, Fox, Zabanajad, Kreider. We're going to supplement this team with smart trade deadline additions, which look to me, Andrew Kopp may be, he may be the best single best deadline acquisition any team has made. And he may truly be a fine for the Rangers. He may be their... I don't I can't think of a comparable player off off the top of my head. But, you know, a lot of teams will find late bloomers, diamonds in the rough that turn into, you know, not quite all time players, but great, great players. And that might be Andrew Kopp. He literally pulls the whole team up with him. If you look at his analytics, he's scoring at a point per game pace playing with Panarin. That guy might be the real effing deal. And that is a masterstroke. Parento. Yeah, that's a good one, though. I mean, Parento ended up being a point per game player. Right. And he was like 28 years old. Right. So uh, the, the Andrew Cop may be that that ranger, like that diamond in the rough that completes this team. So I couldn't agree with you more. And I, and I think, you know, I, look, when those firings happened, I was shocked and a little bit kind of thrown off. But I was not as sad or disappointed or like ready to go to the garden with pitchforks like a lot of fans were. I think we had a, you know, my attitude was like, let's see how this plays out. And it's played out pretty well. So, um, all right. So I think we want to get to. Uh, Dave, you put out uh, something on Twitter that I think we got some fun reactions to. So I want to go through some of those tweets. And then I know we have a bunch of questions, too, which we definitely want to get to. So maybe a few minutes on uh, on your tweets, if you could just give up, give us a little bit of a setup, Dave. Yep. So I got to find it first. I don't remember the exact. OK, so basically, if you've been on Twitter the last couple of weeks, you've been seeing everybody posting these Fun things where you know everybody's getting canceled for whatever reason. Food takes, 
movie takes, video game takes. Everyone's post- posting their worst takes. And I said, you know what? Let's flip this around and reply with the take that you had on the Rangers. That was 100% on the money for this year. And it got some good engagement. We got, what, 100 replies and 30 quote tweets. Uh, was that 120 replies? Nice. We're not going to go through all of them, but there's one or two that were that were funny, and then there were a couple that were actually, you know, things that we've been talking about here. I'm not sure if you guys had anything particular that caught your eye, but I'm kind of scrolling through it now. Well, I kind of want to, I think maybe I'll share mine, and then I don't know if Becky's got one, but I mean, I'll just come out and say this. I didn't think they'd miss Buchnevich that much. I think I was pretty uh, on the record about that too. Um, I was pretty optimistic about Sammy Blay. Obviously, that that didn't happen with the injury, but I I saw the logic there. And 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 as much as the trade bothered a lot of other people, and I think there, people are going to hold on to that as a reason to hate Chris Drury even many many years from now. Um, look, excellent player. He's having a great year in St. Louis. Becky and I were watching the Blues the other night. No ill will towards Pavel Buchnevich. He's a delightful guy. He's an excellent hockey player. But I felt it would be pretty easy for the Rangers to move on from him. And, and I, I think I was pretty on the money about that. So I'll I'll uh, I'll claim the, the, the Buch trade was okay take and say that's mine. Interesting. Although the Blues are like my West team. Just because like listening to Pang call a game is just amazing. But um yeah, I mean, I said that I didn't think that the um, off-season signings were bad, like Goodrow and Reeves, um, and I'm standing by that. I think Goodrow has been an incredible addition to the team. Unreal. He's amazing. I mean, like, you see he, like, gets under the other team's skin, too. Like, I think it was the Penguins game that, yeah, became a complete shit show. And he was just, like, he was, like, laughing at the bench. Like, he was just having a good old time, because I'm sure, what are they saying to him? Like, he's won. What are you saying to fucking Barkley Goodrow? He's one and he's really handsome. Like, these are two things that you cannot take away from him. So, but yeah, I mean, and I, I like have receipts of people bitching and complaining about it. And I pray to fucking God that Goodrow scores like the Stanley Cup winning goal. Just so I can throw them out. He's going to score some big ones. I can, I will, I'll, you can clip that out, Dave, and put it on Twitter. He's, uh, this guy's going to score huge goals in the playoffs. I can, I'm, I'm telling you right now. That is definitely getting clipped. I can feel I think it that's in my the bones. first one that we put out there. Uh, if I got time, I'll, I'm putting that out there with the pod as it goes out. Um, so I think the one thing on Goodrow that we said here a lot was, we'll really like this signing for the first three years, and then afterwards his game's probably going to go to hell because it doesn't age well, and we'll dump him with a second-round pick to Arizona or something like that. He's not going to live out the mm-hmm. six years in New York. And I think... It's playing out exactly how we thought it would. But that's just us and Goodrow. There were three things that I saw that I... that They're actually all fitting on the same screen right now, which is amazing. The first one is on Jared Tenorti, and it's from Dennis at Dennis Down Under and from, uh, you know, friend of the blog, Bill to Spill. Mm-hmm. Dennis said the Tenority signing was low-key terrible and that made me laugh because I don't think anybody thought it was going to be low-key good I think we all thought it was going to be high-key terrible and that just made me laugh mm-hmm. and then this one was fun uh, from Bill to Spill Tenority was depth only and wouldn't remotely play a significant role and he's right but if you think about it yes if 
Tenorti only played seven games, and it feels like he played 30. A lot of no, people. It feels like McKegg played 30. Well, McKegg did play 30. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I think a lot of people did think Tenorti was going to end up like playing every game the way that we've seen in the past with the, you know, pick your, you know, slow aging defense first defenseman. I think everybody thought that they were going to try to shoehorn Jared Tenorti into every single game. And I think, yeah, no good call there. You know, that, that, you know, look, he's a bit player. He played seven games and we haven't really, he's now, he's not even with the team, you know, the Libor Hayek's the eighth defenseman skating in practice with whoever the extra is. So, um, Tenorti's definitely a non-factor. Libor Hayek. And then the one that I thought would give good discussion was from ex-CF Chief Fan Officer, Ricky Diffendale. Diff, I, you know, Ricky, if I mispronounce your name, sorry. Um, that <laughs> the Rangers would have success under Drury. And I thought this was an interesting one because the large part of me that doesn't like Drury wants to say that he was basically given this roster. He, he dug himself into a hole with the Bucinevich trade and not having a viable answer for when the Kravtsov thing blew up in his face because he knew that was a possibility, at least a coin flip, and it wound up going against him, and he never had an answer. And Sammy Blay injury aside, he's not a second-line player. So that one, that's the large part of me that thinks Drury didn't have a plan, but then the small part of me that is starting to grow is... Drury recognized that the trade deadline had huge implications for this team, and he went all in. He didn't give up much. There was nothing of consequence that left this roster. Morgan Barron scored uh, on Monday night for the Jets getting his first NHL goal. Congrats to him. But that's the only piece that left that was of significance. And look at this team now. So it's... Not a, it's not a black and white scenario where Drury's great or Drury's bad. It's just the Rangers have had success. Part of it is because of Drury. Part of it is because of Gordon. So I thought that was a really interesting one. Yeah, well, and I mean, look, Drury was here with Gordon for most of his tenure. He was the assistant GM for years. He ran the Hartford Wolfpack for years. So... He was in the room when a lot of those decisions were made. Who knows what he advocated for and what he advocated against. We obviously have no insight into that. But, you know, look, he was one of the more coveted uh, GM candidates around the league. Say what you want about the NHL's hiring process in that regard. It's a lot of former players and, and you know, uh, new admissions into the old boys club, right? But, um, you know, I think, again, James Dolan saw, you know, that's a guy we want to protect. I think the Rangers, I, I don't think they actually let him interview for certain spots, certain yeah, positions, right? I think that's right. I think they, they asked him or, like, they they didn't allow whatever. I don't know. I don't know how that shit works, but I think they did not allow him to interview or asked him not to. Right, exactly. So, yeah. and, and yeah, no, so, I mean, look, whether or not they are falling ass backwards into this great season or if it's because... There was some strategic vision there to hand the reins to a, a young up-and-coming general manager who may actually be good at his job. I think time will tell. But look, the, the, the pieces were in place. And especially, I think back to when they, they hired David Quinn, right? 
I don't think any of us thought David Quinn would be here when the team got good again. I think he was very clearly supposed to be essentially a chaperone for the young players and for the rebuilding version of the team and that they would bring in an experienced coach, either one that had some Stanley Cup rings or one that got close a couple of times and was known as a, you know, a veteran experienced NHL coach to kind of see it through. And I think, you know, the Gallant hire uh, was was so obvious that that you know, they basically might as well not have interviewed every, anybody else for the position. But um, that, look, that is a Drury hire. And I think that that has as much to do yeah, with this team's success as as anything else. Even with the way they played early in the year, I just think that Gallant has had such a steady hand. He's handled the ups and downs of the season extremely well. And, um, you know, certainly deserves his share of the credit. So uh, you said um, chaperone, yeah, I don't know. and I'm just picturing him with like a little checklist of people who are playing, guys who are playing that night. Going, uh, okay, uh, uh, Artemi, you here? Yeah, I'm here. Mika, you here? Yeah, I'm here. And just like kind of goes off and takes attendance before they all go out in the ice and do whatever the hell they did last yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, uh, there's right, well, one more from Nick. Uh, at Brooklyn Joker 90, you know, does the 30 on Broadway podcast. And this is a hell of a call. Uh, Shesterkin will put together a Vezina caliber season. He He's won the Vezina. Go, Nick. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're that, looking to have Nick on the show as soon as possible. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, if anyone wants to check out Dave's feed for that tweet and throw in there, uh, hey, I was, I was right about this. Please do. Because they were uh, really... Really good, really entertaining, and we are not canceling you over those uh, those takes. So, all right, it's time for questions. Really looking forward to these. Obviously, the fan base is in a buoyant mood as the Rangers are looking forward to nine more regular season tune-up games ahead of the playoffs. Becky, what do we got? Um, we have a lot of really good questions. So there's seven. So let's let's try fire away. How did I not see this here, tweet? Guys. What the hell, Dave? What? I didn't see the tweet. I'm sorry. All right. I love this question so much. So Anthony at Cacchioli25, I'm so sorry if I just butchered your name, asks, do you think Artemi Panarin gets to 100 points on the season? He is at 88 points with nine games remaining. So remember, we're recording this on Monday before the Carolina game. So at this point, 88 points, nine games remaining. Yes. Dave. Oh, sorry. Rob. Wow. Okay, I'm Rob, done. go One first. Answer. I'm keeping it sustained. You know what? I'm gonna My be answer con- is yes also. I'm going to be contrarian and say no because they're going to rest guys down the stretch. I think Panera is one of them. That's, that's fair. That's definitely fair. I didn't even think of that. Good reasoning. Good reasoning. But I still say yes just because he's ridiculous. He's a ridiculous human being. Okay. Um, at SprexNY asks... Who do you prefer at second right wing, second line right wing for the playoff run? Cop or Kako? I'm not Dave? touching. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. These are great questions. To be right, fair. This is a go, great go, question. Go, go, go. Oh, I'm not touching that line. Cop is staying. I, I honestly, I'm, I'm after watching him play live on Saturday night as well in the Ottawa game. I mean, Panarin was otherworldly, but I think other than him, Cop was the second best player. Although most of the top guys had great nights. Um, I legitimately think Cop is like, I, maybe I'm like going crazy here. Like, I think if Cop plays like three full seasons, let's say as a Ranger, like he's probably scoring as much as Ryan Strom, um, and he's also like much better on the wing. He's more versatile player. You know, Strom can't really play wing, 
Um, I'm not touching that line, and I love Capo Caco, but let him cook on the third line against um, against easier matchups. I'm keeping Cop with Panarin and Strom. Same. And I'm really looking forward to a confident Heedle, a confident Laugh, and a stronger Caco feasting on third-pairing defensemen. Feasting mm-hmm. on them. That, that's like that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, don't touch it now. Give it to Cop. And also... It's really good when you have that problem. When you need to decide between two good players to put on your second line, that's like where you want to be. When you can roll all your lines, like that's that's a fantastic problem to have. Yes, and I also just to quickly add, I think that Kako may get his shot in the top six, but not with that line. But eventually, with Mika and Kreider again, if Vetrano hits a cold spell, which he might, because look, he's a goal scorer, but goal scorers are streaky. And, you know, maybe Gallant, after a tough playoff game, might want to switch things up. And maybe Kako's playing well. I think Kako gets some shots on the top line as we go through the playoffs. The lines as they are now are not going to be what they are in Game 4, Game 7, God willing, Game 15 or 20 of the playoffs. So just keep an eye on that. But I think you would see, I think you might see Kako back with um, Kreider and Mika Zibanejad uh, at some point in the playoffs. Yep. All right. Our very own Russ, so at Russell Hartman 1, asks, ideal first round opponent with the opportunity to grab first place in the division there was going to be a few potential matchups Ross I like where your head's at I like where your head's at a lot ideal first ideal (laughs) every time I say someone Rob and I are coordinating this on the side by the way we know who you're going to say first and we just kind of mess with you that's fine I deserve it ideal opponent is Washington because they're the worst team but that would require Washington to surge and then maybe you don't want to play Washington or Florida to collapse I would welcome that but probably not going to happen so yeah it's uh ideal is Washington because they're the worst team that's going to get in other than that I'll say Pittsburgh you know what I'll be again contrarian because I really like how the Rangers play match up against Pittsburgh I think they match up well but I will go Tampa Tampa's fading Tampa's not the same team mm-hmm. they used to be. If you look at their offensive numbers, they are not scoring the way they used to. I actually had to drop a couple. I dropped Andre Pallott off my fantasy team because he just wasn't doing shit. And I think I think Vasilevsky is wildly overrated. Good goalie, wildly overrated. <laughs> I know, old man yells a cloud. I get it. I, I'll be. I'll say this. I think that. If it does shake out that it's Carolina, Tampa, and Rangers, Pittsburgh, you know, in the Metro, I would absolutely rather play Tampa in round two. I'm with you there. And, and I don't yeah. th- look, well, it's yeah. so hard to win two in a row, and they've already done that. It's nearly impossible to win three Stanley Cups in a row. E- even the best teams of this of the cap era, which of which Tampa is one of them, but like you get picked off. You lose early, happen to Pittsburgh, happen to the Rangers when they were in their, you know, run of, of, of deep playoff runs. Tampa's due. I mean, I know they got swept by Columbus not that long ago in the first round, but they're they're due to get picked off early. And and I agree with you, Dave. That punch just isn't there. The three times the Rangers have played Tampa this year, too, it the game felt not. I don't want to say easy, but the game felt like a normal game for them. It didn't feel like a exactly. Carolina or even an Islander game where that you know there's these moments where they kind of just seem a little bit overwhelmed by the game because you know the other team's really good and they're pushing. That never happened against Tampa. They seem completely in control whenever they play them. Rob, I am nodding my head so hard at what you're saying that my chair is going back and forth and my feet are on another chair and is swiveling left and right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wait, Becky, right. who's your ideal I'm not, opponent? Oh, I'm not touching that. I'm too superstitious to touch that. I'm not doing that. That's what she Sorry. said. Sorry. That was bad. That's bait. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, friend of the pod, Jess, at JessicaLynn312, asks, how many goals will Kreider get this season, and why is it 55? He's at 49, Ooh. right? Yeah. Nine games left? Mm-hmm. Oh, Jess is going to kill me. 53. Why is she going to kill you? Because I mean, other it's, than the usual reason. it's just short of Yager's record of 54. He doesn't even tie it. I think that the Rangers will start limiting ice time in games. Or not limiting ice time. The Rangers will start being a little bit more uh, flexible with who gets ice time and when. They're going to roll lines more evenly, roll power play units more evenly because they don't need to burn out their top guys. And they're probably going to sit a guy or two or sit these guys for a game or two, probably rotating them in and out. I don't think Kreider gets to 55. I don't think he even ties Yager. I think he gets to 53. Wow. Yeah, so it's funny. I, I, I The only reason I'm going to say this answer that's also because I know Jess very well, um, and I know and that she her, knows where you live. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, no, 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 but yeah, I also know that her favorite all-time Ranger is Adam Graves. Adam Graves scored fifty-two, um, and I kind of believe in historical symmetry. And you want to talk about superstitions and weird, weird shit that goes on in your head when you're a psycho fan. But there would be something beautiful about Kreider scoring fifty-two. As much as I'd love for the guy to break the record, and it, and it seems like. No one's more deserving of holding that record, I think, than him. Um, uh, but there would be something very, very poetic and beautiful about him scoring 52 in a season. Um, so I'm going to say it's 52. Uh, and it's, and that's to no insult to him. I think he's very capable of scoring 55 or even 56. But um, I'm just picking that for the vibes, if you will. I'm going to say 57. I want to say 56, but I really don't like even numbers. So 57. Wow. I mean, if I wanted to be a real fucking troll, I would say 49, but I'm not going to do that. Wow. Let's move, because Jessica knows where I live, too. (laughs) Let's move on. Um, Kevin at SpotSposo211. Does Panarin have the best backhand pass in the game? If it's not him, then it's Fox. So one of the they're on the team. They're on the same team. I mean, yeah. It, what the stuff that he does is just it's you can't stupid. You can't really explain it either. Like it, it doesn't look hard the way he plays. He's one of those. You know, it's like one of those baseball players. Robinson Cano for me comes to mind where everybody's like, oh, he's lazy. He's not trying. It's like no, he's just that good at this sport that it looks that easy for him. Um, that's Panarin. He's not super fast. Um, he doesn't look like he's trying that hard, and the guy's probably going to score close to 100 points this season in what a lot of people think was at least two-thirds of an off year for him. So, Oh, yeah. yeah. That's my favorite. It's an off year. He has 88 points. It still yeah. is an off year. Like You could tell from the beginning of the year that something wasn't right. We were all saying Panarin looks off. I know, I know. And then we're just like, oh, you know, casually flirting with 100 points. Just Yeah. I'm not it's sitting here analyzing backhand passes regularly, but I'd have to go with he's up there. I, I, he's got how many assists this year? 67? What? He's up there. It's, yeah. it, unbelievable what he's done. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yes. I, I think that's more of a rhetoric question than anything else. So, um, yeah. Okay, next question. Brooklyn Joker, Nick. We mentioned him before. This is a fun question. What is your go-to beer to drink when you're at a game? Also, have you tried the prime rib sandwich at the garden? Oh, God. I'm not a beer guy, so I'm going to leave this to you guys. I mean, uh, but I, mean, I, I go with what uh, Bud Light or whatever because it's great for, you know, drinking quickly, which drink <laughs> responsibly. And it's great for when you accidentally pumped a beer over your entire section. <laughs> So, story behind this, I went to a game with Becky. This was like 2011, 2012. This was Old Garden, not even New Garden. And my beer was on the floor. They weren't even cup holders in the seats yet. And I was just like shuffling together in or out of of the Algerian whistle. And I kicked my beer and went all over the section. And I just, I felt like such an asshole. And some lady was like, it's okay, beer's good for the hair. It is. It really is. So, yeah, that's why I do Bud Light. It's also only, only, quote-unquote, what, $16 for a 20-ounce, which is, what, two beers? Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's better than Coors. Coors is like ass. Coors is water with yeah. ass flavoring. Yes. <laughs> ass water. <laughs> Bud. I go it's like, it's like I go somebody Budweiser. pissed out of their ass. I go Bud Heavy because I love chaos, apparently. Yeah, no, I no, haven't seen anybody drink just... a Bud Heavy in forever, Rob. Oh, you you should you should go to a game with Rob. Yeah. It's, it's I wanted heavy, to go on Saturday, and I just couldn't get there in time. Like, we had dinner yeah. plans, and we, just, or we had plans, and I just wouldn't be able to get there in time. I wanted to, though. We have We had a lot of fun. Um, I actually want to plug the MSG Bloody Marys because they're actually really good. And I'm going to this Saturday's game, which is 1230, and I'm very much looking forward to a Bloody Mary. And that's it. I I really want to have a beer with Rod now just to watch somebody drink Bud Heavy. I I haven't seen that in like 10 years. It's a great great hockey beer. Look, there's not enough time. For me to tell why or explain the whole Bud Heavy thing to you, you guys and to our lovely audience. But just it's a thing between like me and my brother and some of our family friends. And it's just Bud Heavy's Ranger beer, especially for the playoffs. So that's what we go with. All right. Yep. Um, all right. Last question from Michael Silvers at M Silvers 1979 asked if Henrik could play. This is such a troll question. If Henrik could play just one more game in goal, who do you think he would want? to be his head coach for the game, Rennie, Torts, A.V., or Quinn? I know it's not A.V., because A.V. threw him under, like, the fucking M34 the other day. So. <laughs> it's not Torts, either, because Hank was the leader of the mutiny to get him fired. Yeah. It's probably Rennie. It's probably Rennie. And I think he looks back very fondly on those years, because he was young, and obviously... We all know as we get older that you get nostalgic for your uh, your your early twenties, maybe your mid twenties. Um, but those were the Yager teams. Uh, you know, I think actually Henrik compared the current Ranger power play to some of those early power plays that Yager was on that were incredible. You know, 
between him, Straka, Nylander, Peter Pruka's first couple of years was scoring a ton of power play goals. Um, I think Roosevelt was on that power play unit as well. Uh, I think it's Rennie, and I think it's more of a nostalgia thing than anything else. Although I always thought Rennie was a good coach, but, you know, I, I don't know if there's just a lot of uh, uh, that's too far in the past that I'm really not remembering certain things. I don't know. Peter Pruka is a healthy scratch. <laughs> I know. I do remember that. <laughs> the Tom Rennie line generator. I feel like we bring it up once a week. We do. We do. We do. And it's great. That's all we have, guys. That's it for uh, for questions for this week. But I think those were some pretty, pretty good questions. I love yes. the fan questions. They- I really do. Me too. Me too. They're fantastic. Keep them coming, especially as we, we get closer to the playoffs. Um, Becky, Dave, any final thoughts? No. I mean, I think I'm just like jacked and... I like I'm just so grateful that they clinched and we don't have to go down to the wire. You know, like that's like that makes a difference. That means something. Just it does. It. No, it does. And I think it means something for the players to to be able to rest a little bit and focus on certain parts of their game rather than, you know, just have it be a frantic push to the end. So, no, totally agree there. Dave, anything from you? So this is the first playoffs where White Claw is a thing. And I don't know how I'm going to survive. So White Claw is going to be your your your, your drink of choice. So probably, but I also have two, a case of Bud Light and a case of Miller Light left over from the NCAA tournament. So I might go to finish those first. Vomit. See how far they it. take you. <laughs> I feel sick, like talking about all of these different liquors <laughs> that you guys are talking about. But you don't drink fancy shit for hockey. I, I, I mean, let's be real here. I know, but, like, having three White Claws would put me in, like, a two-day hangover. Oh, no, no. I, I, I yeah, it's not a good thing for me. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for well, my we can definitely, uh We can definitely dive into uh, the, the, the playoff, you know, plans, as it were, for, for us and for the fans as we, you know, as, as May approaches. But, um no, I, you know, look, we're on we're on 50 goal watch for Chris Kreider. We are on first place watch with the Rangers as they try and chase down the Carolina Hurricanes for first in the Metro. And we are so excited to keep doing this show every week as the Rangers advance to the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. For Becky and Dave, this is Rob. See you next week.